2: Hello and welcome to Mindshifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your Page where you can download and read chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation. Sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and of most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. And if you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a powerful tutorial for you to help you get maximum benefit from these tools in the shortest period of time. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will download a completely free and private app that contains the reality management worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process and a copy of the Dragon Klingon game which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope you do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives as they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it also tends to to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd appreciate it if you'd do so. Give us a call, 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will gladly turn on your microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. And, as I like to say, we greatly appreciate when people choose to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be a service, and if you have a comment, a question, an answer, a testimonial, a feedback for us, and you are willing to share that, it makes it easier for us to live into that intention. If you want to do that, and you're listening through the archives, you can send an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. And if you send us a comment or a question or a testimonial, we'll address it on the Internet show. And then, as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time it appeared, and you can go back in the archives and um, listen for the feedback. So let us know how we can be of service, how we can support you, uh, if you have a comment or a question an answer or a testimonial, um, we encourage people to do that sooner rather than later um, in these internet shows, so that we don't run out of time to address any comments or questions. We had we've had several people in just this past week who had raised hands, um, or you know, or indicated that they wanted to say something. And it was so close to the end of the show that we didn't get to all of them. So if you have a thought for us, a comment, a question, an answer, a testimonial, please uh, do what you can to get that in sooner rather than later in the in the um, flow of the show. We had our support group last night, and as a... As a support to one of our members, we listened to the Glenn and Doyle podcast from I think it was the seventeenth of this month. And um as I was talking about yesterday when I was reading this book by Christian Sundberg about healing by Feeling, being, being willing to go through and feel everything and he, leaving my system open, keeping my breath moving, inviting memories of traumas in the past or unpleasant situations from the realization that I'm fully aware that I am bigger than anything, especially anything that I've already lived through and that it can't hurt me any more than it already has. And if I welcome it, and I stay wide open, and I breathe, and I soften, that's the path to healing. And some would say it's the only way to heal. And that's exactly what's being spoken of in a couple of the essays that I was reading earlier this week from the Christian Sundberg book. And Glennon Doyle was giving some, basically an update on her recovery. She has recently discovered that she had been a very well-disguised uh, she had deeply disguised the symptoms of anorexia that she had been um, coping with for most of her life. And um, so now she is actively engaging in a therapy process to try and correct that, to learn as much as she can about it. And... um, and do whatever she can to heal and what she's learning in this process is almost exactly what Christian Sundberg has discovered is that or he's been told by his um, spiritual guides that we must be willing to feel our our guidance system is our feeling is our emotional state and We must be willing to feel it, go through it fully. And once we do that, we open the process which will lead to healing. So, I think I mentioned yesterday that there's a whole series, a slew of different uh, trauma reduction techniques that I've been trained in over the years. And every one of them, basically, you know, the good ones, the ones that tend to work, have the same realization that I must be willing to open Pandora's box, so to speak. I must be willing to see and face and walk through those things that I have been fearing, And until I do, um, one way to think about it is this free will that I have, this power to choose the the infinite capacity to choose the focus of my conscious awareness in each new present moment will allow me to keep myself unconscious, walled off from, out of touch with the very things I need to see and face in order to heal. And I have to be willing, right? Free will. I have to make the choice. And once I make the choice, but the potential is there for healing. When I'm choosing to stay closed off, shut down, um, guarded, locked away, then there is no healing possible especially if this set of observations is correct, that in order to heal, I must be willing to face and feel. In order to heal, I must be willing to feel. Whatever it is that I've been running from or I've been convincing myself that I'm not able to face directly or, as they were talking about it in this podcast As a coping mechanism, when I was going through things that seemed too difficult for me to handle when I was younger, I labeled certain things as things I could not live without. These things would be my addictive patterns or my addiction of choice, my drug of choice, my distracting behavior of choice. And so I'm walking around, even as I'm living life and learning different Skills and capacities and gaining different wisdoms, I'm still walking around with the belief that I cannot live without my distraction, my drug of choice, my addiction, because it helps me hide from or protects me from the thing that I have decided is too powerful for me to face directly. And the process of recovery, the process of healing, begins with me being willing to literally give up the thing that some part of me has decided I can't live without. Actually, completely counterintuitive, I must be willing to walk away from, you know, jump off the cliff, so to speak, from the very thing that my belief system, based on traumas and based on, you know, working through surviving very difficult things when I was younger, my own belief system says I can't face this other thing directly. I need to distract myself from or numb myself out or hide from this, that, or the other thing in order to survive. And so the completely counterintuitive process of healing means I have to be willing to walk away from and live without the very thing that my belief system is saying I cannot live without. So I have to be willing Some would call it, I have to have faith. Some would say, I have to do the most illogical thing possible, the most scary, counterintuitive thing possible. Some would say, I am not strong enough to survive living without my drug of choice or my escape behavior. And yet, Even though I am not strong enough to live without it, the person I will become when I give it up is strong enough to live without it. That is a heck of a leap of faith. A heck of a leap to take. And there are many who would say it's the only way to heal. So that was the just just several pieces that I took from the uh, podcast that we were listening to last night in the support group. And um as always, we'd be happy to entertain comments or questions about that or anything else. Area code 828,
3: is this Magda? Yes, it is. This is Magda, and I, I'm calling um, to make a tiny little report on the work that I did since yesterday when I talked with you, um, and that was about using my drug of choice, which was food and sugar in particular. Uh, but when I can't get my sugar... Than any kind of food to basically um, to smother uh, my feelings of overwhelm that are are very near the surface because I didn't want to deal with that so I've been I haven't done any actual worksheets on it yet uh, that is to come today but what I did do I, I put that in the hopper like okay what is this overwhelm about when on earth guessing and suspecting that it probably came from an earlier time in my life um the question i posed was when did i feel overwhelmed when i was younger and what i've come upon so far is that um my gosh i guess i was a probably 16 year old um, and i was asked to get into a, a piano competition that was city-wide. And I was asked to do that by my piano teacher because I happened to be the best student she had. Well, she had a very small number of students. <laughs> so I was the best, but not the best in the city, right? And um, what happened is that I got closer And closer to the time of the audition I was just getting into that awareness that I'm I'm overwhelmed with this I didn't even know the word then but I knew the feeling and I don't know how to do this and I don't think I'm going to do very well and I'm scared and um, I just don't know how to handle it so I, I think that's when I started to utilize the drug that I had developed when I was much younger of using sugar um, to suppress feelings and to self-soothe and I got to using it in a different way by actually just um, gorging as much as I could uh, to prevent myself from having to deal with the feelings and also used up a lot of time is what it did it takes a lot of time to to um seek out the food that i'm going to use and actually uh get in so that's where i am so far and um i just wanted to to let you know i'm very pleased that you gave me the suggestion that you did and i i think there's a lot more to come
2: wonderful wonderful yeah i was listening back to the conversation yesterday and the day before and um i i probably uh i say it slightly different ways different times when it comes up but i probably don't say it as clearly uh, as often as i would like to that my experience has been that rather than looking for some big deep trauma or you know my biggest issue, etc., I get the best results when I just live my life day in and day out and get more and more honest about any disruption in the force, right, any little upset Mm -hmm. or negative emotion, or even, as was the case um, uh, for a couple of the last worksheets I did, even if I'm not really feeling very upset, but I just keep thinking about the issue, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's like, you know, following the thread or following the trail of breadcrumbs to get back out of the forest. Right? It's it's one little worksheet at a time, and as I commit to doing that, based on whatever. Is getting stirred up by the interpretations I'm choosing to place on life events day in and day out. That's the best roadmap for me to healing, to mm-hmm. integration, to enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, to peace. I agree.
3: I agree. So agree. You know, it, it. Our systems, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical systems are so well put together (laughs) that that they give us clues um all the time about what's going on and what needs attention and it's just a matter of listening paying attention and then acting on it like the breadcrumbs you spoke of
2: yeah it is pretty you know I, i think one of the biggest things the hardest things for me was that i had Like many of us, I had been trained and conditioned to um, tune out most of the gentle or subtle messages.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, that's not a productive thing, right? This, This internal guidance system we have is able to give us feedback or signals about really, really little things, really subtle um, disturbances in the force, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when we're tuned into it, it's amazing. But when we've been conditioned to ignore it, um, we can. Again, there's that free will, there's that choice. And I know so many people. This is one of the big things that comes in the the podcast that follows the one that I listened to in the group last night and I was recommending on Glennon Doyle's work. Her, Her next podcast in that series talks about how she's literally been tuning out, ignoring, cutting herself off, separating herself from, thinking as though, She was separate from her body, and it was separate from her, and therefore Mm -hmm. really, really missing a lot of signals. Mm -hmm. And once you discover that, then there's quite a, um, for some of us, quite a steep learning curve to get back in alignment with, to be tuned into, to be willing to acknowledge the feelings, the emotions, that feedback system, when it is trying to communicate with us.
3: Absolutely difficult. Um, when we've been trained and have trained ourselves not to feel certain feelings in particular, which I think subdues all of our emotions, actually. Um, but uh, when, when that's our training, it, uh, it does take practice. An actual practice, you know that. Um, I certainly had to learn that the hard way. Um, but what I also, also wanted to comment about for anyone else who might be going through whatever, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm very much aware now that if I do not pay attention to the subtle messages that are coming from my being and I ignore them, well, guess what? The message will be heavier and harder next time around until who knows. Uh, But I I think the, the messages will continue. They'll just be more intense. And sometimes that ends up being a chronic illness, um, and we wonder, well, where did that come from all of a sudden? But of course it wasn't all of a sudden. It was growing little by little because we ignored the things that were uh, much subtler and easy, would have been easier to handle at the time.
2: Yeah, and uh, we pretty much I would say every one of us has done that. Yeah. Either because of our conditioning from our culture and or because we run into times in our lives where we are dealing with so many things in such a short period of time that you know, we make the determination about where we spend our energy and whatever those subtle signals are that there's a disruption, um, they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't register as a priority for us and other things take priority. And that's okay. It's just also, as you said, um, it's going to, we really don't have to panic because when our system wants to send us a message, if we don't <laughs> acknowledge the message, it will keep sending it. And as you were pointing out, it'll find other more dramatic ways to get our attention.
3: Yeah, exactly. Sadly. And, and, too, and, it, and so it's all, it's all for our benefit for our eventual growth just doesn't feel like it sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just like a three-year-old doesn't think, you know, it's for her benefit that we say, no, you can't have a second ice cream cone because I know it'll give you a tummy ache. But but we really are like, you know, toddlers or infants in this Mm -hmm. learning curve for our true nature and what is best for us outside of the the strictly physical realm.
3: Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you again. I I do need to sign off so I can listen, and I have to continue doing some other things here, but uh, I will report more as it comes forward as I do my work. Um, Thank you. It was so helpful.
2: Well, you're very welcome and deserving blessings. And uh, we have another person with a hand up. Area code five four one. This might be Celinda Yes,
0: it is. How are you today, Michael? I'm, Michael? I'm looking at the radio show. I'm
2: um, I'm fine, Barb. How are you,
0: Doctor Doctor Tim? <laughs> I'm just doing great, thank you. I'm calling in because Monica requested me to, um, and so I I certainly hope she's still listening. Um, I sent her a little text the other night. I had two thoughts. I was trying to get on the show yesterday, but I was also conflicted because I wanted to listen with whatever everybody else was saying because I was learning so much. Um, Yesterday, when Susan was talking about her giant leap in relation to her power issues, uh, I uh, realized that when I came into the Aramaic perspective, and first was working with Michael Rice's Power Person Dynamics, I began to evolve a different meaning for power, and uh, I realized that for me, it wasn't a power person dynamic going on, it was a control person going on. Because I realized, so I uh, modified my language for me, whether it doesn't matter to me what language other people use, but it does what I use. And so I don't speak about power anymore when my perception of it, it is not power, it's control linked to a goal to have somebody else or something else do what I think I need in order to function or survive. And so I wanted to share that for uh, anyone who might find it a useful way to language for themselves to help them get clarity and
2: disengage from the... So speaking of clarity, let me ask you, let me interrupt. Speaking of clarity, let me ask you to try saying that one more time. What is the distinction you're making in the use of the word power
0: Well, true power, I understand, has love. Love is the the highest power in the universe. And true uh, true power empowers. It doesn't disempower another. It empowers another. So as the way of mastery has so eloquently shown us uh, about what power does. And um, so for me, it really is helpful not to call a power person dynamics, a power person dynamics, it's more helpful for me and more clarifying for me to call it a control person dynamics because in controlling, in feeling controlled or controlling, I am either actually, I am in both situations disempowering myself or disempowering the others. That's, what I meant by that.
2: Okay, well, you might want to run that by Dr. Michael Rice. And um, this is why I say that. I have listened to him for years now talk about the power person dynamic. Right. And my, and my recollection of it is, he says, in order for the power person dynamic to be created, to come into being, you need three situations, three factors, three vectors coming together at one time. And those three things are, number one, I'm dealing with somebody who has more control over my life than I do. Now, I I might be making this up in my head right now, but my, my memory of it is that more often than not, he doesn't say somebody who has more power over my life than I do, someone who has more control over my life than I do. And the second factor is they're not coming from a space of love. They're acting from hostility or fear. And the third factor is I download the conclusion that this is a survival level situation and that if I don't get it right I won't survive and that those three factors have to be active in order for the power person dynamic to get downloaded into me so if you present this to him he might say oh you know what that's a good point maybe we'll re, re- because he He's been known to change the words, change the names of his worksheets, change, change words in the worksheet before. So um, that, that dynamic might interest him.
0: Fine, because it doesn't, it doesn't change for me in my mind, and it, it doesn't bother me if anybody else uses power instead of control. I just, in my mind, go ahead and make a distinction there, only with the word, not with the power person dynamics at all. So, um, yeah, I understand totally, and I totally am in there with the power person dynamics. I just choose to reframe it a tad in relation to what I call it. Yeah, I can do that, certainly. Oh, yeah, I've passed he, he it might be interested. Once and, Yeah, I'll you, pass you, you it did by I passed it by him once, but I didn't notice a response.
2: Uh, okay, that. so if, if if you did, there's no necessary you know, to do it again, but it just struck me as you were talking about it, and as I said, I might be distorting my memory of it. Maybe he does say a person who has more power over your life, but my memory is that he says the first condition is I'm dealing with somebody who has more power over my life, than, uh, more control over my life than I do. They're not coming from love, and I come to believe it's a, a survival-level situation. In which case, you know, if that's accurate, and he wants to tap into or tune into the clarification you're making about the use of the word power, um, you know, it might be something he's interested in hearing. Great, but as we know, you know, we we all have to have the, our brain cells, you know, stirred up at, when we're willing to have them stirred up and changed. And if it's not the right day and time, it may not affect him that way. So,
0: right. It's just helpful for me, and I thought maybe if it were helpful for anyone else, um, I don't need anything changed at all. I just, uh, but I am more than happy to share that with him if it comes up again in the context of the conversation, for sure. Because I am always interested in learning um, and the reframing of things and expanding my horizons. And I um, and I really appreciate Magda in relation to her food dilemma because <clears throat> being a raging bulimic for 23 years, I get it. Um, I still get it. It's like I watch always. I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me to keep me in sanity. And uh, it's really difficult with – there are two addictions that could possibly be considered the worst in all of the world by the 12-step programs. And one is the addiction of overeating, being a – quote-unquote compulsive overeater, and the other addiction is one of smoking. And um, they said in research that had been done about that, that those seemed to be the two. Now, that was before meth and everything like that. At that time in the 80s, that seemed to be the two addictions that were the most difficult to overcome. And um, that's one, because we have to eat, and two, because we have to breathe, And so I really relate to that. And in response to Susan also, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Zach Bush or not, but I happen to watch a program of his on YouTube um, about the problem with protein. And um, it's just a point of view. And I do notice that since I've gone back to a more plant-based diet, that I feel much better, and that year long healing crisis that I shared with you a few months back um, has now pretty much resolved itself as a radical change in my diet, and i um, and I'm sure the forgiveness work I'm doing and opening myself up to the more subtle feelings that I blanked out in all areas of communication, um, ears, eyes, body language, everything. So I'm easily overwhelmed like Magda. And I just thought I'd share that link for anybody who's interested um, because I have a lot of um, a rapport with the ideas of Zach Bush. And I'm always interested in learning and seeing different points of view. Um, I would like to also make one. And so I I had that to share. What I'm learning is that I have gone all my life chasing after gurus. And it didn't matter whether they were dietary gurus or religious gurus or political gurus. It didn't matter. I was chasing after gurus. And that was... One of the reasons why books are so important to me Uh, and what I have, what I'm being led into now is it's time. It's not that they're bad and it's not that I should burn all my books, but it is time to hold them very lightly like I'm learning to hold my belief systems very lightly and uh, have enough space to be able to have my cosmic egg crack, <laughs> like Joseph Chilton Pierce would say, um, so that my crack, so the light can come through uh, uh, to where I can see it, that light from within myself. And so I am learning to hold them lightly, thank them for the information they give me in this great smorgasbord of life, and that uh, it's I am free to take what I like and leave the rest. And I'm building um, my own dietary way of uh, climbing out of the bulimia and into the thriving of a healthy body and a healthy mind. And that's all I... Oh, the one other thought that Magda said this morning, when she talked about overwhelm, And she made a comment, something about smother. I don't know whether it was smother her feelings with the food. I can't remember. But all of a sudden, I heard in that smother, I heard mother, mother in that smother. And I realized that, as Glennon Doyle is finding out, when we're not ready, when we're not ready, you said it so eloquently, that we are taking care of ourselves the best we know how and um we, when we're ready we will drop the addictive running uh, for me i just stay away from sugar i i i eat nothing processed i uh, i don't eat anything in a jar or a can or something unless it has something like five ingredients in the label all natural that i can understand they not big long chemical words and it's made a huge difference in my life. So that's all I have to do. I'm just so grateful that I I, I saw mother and smother.
2: All right. Well, I, you know, it's that kind of thing that can make a big shift uh, internally, and especially if you're willing to deal with the mother issues that are now bound to come up And when you start talking about mother and smother or when you are willing to stay on that healthy, clean diet because your vitality will go up. And in combination with that, if you're willing to do your work, to ask to be shown, what is yours to do here or release here? This is a big theme that came up in in the, the Glennon Doyle interview. One of the many that uh, one of my patients made note of was that she talked about how as she's willing, as she leaves the space for this, as she's talking to her younger self, she's starting to have memories flood up, lots and lots of connections and memories that she was completely unaware of for decades. And, um, you know, I yesterday I had the... Uh, um, privilege of interviewing Carol Murko M U R K O who's been um you know a food writer and she's been on PBS and she's been a financial analyst and she's had these various careers and now because she had her own what they called an autoimmune eye disease a degenerative eye disease it was autoimmune in nature and the allopathic medical community had nothing to offer her. They exhausted throwing all these different meds at her, none of which helped anything, and they couldn't uh, come up with a cause or any viable treatment. So she went, you know, in her own search and found all kinds of work. She really resonated with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, and um, she you know, did his uh, training and became uh, an energy healing coach with his work. She did nutrition therapy work. She did Qigong work and became, you know, trained in that. So she's reversed this eye disease. She no longer has any symptoms of it. And it's through the process of really being open and honest, really doing her own work. And it's all of those things. It's watching her thoughts and journaling every morning and identifying the negative thoughts and then choosing the positive ones she wants to pour her energy into and being willing to meditate and changing her nutrition and doing the energy work. So it's a, you know, with the Qigong, it's a whole package you know, if we're willing, um, many people can find solutions for their stuck points and discomforts.
0: I have come to the point where I realize if I don't go within, I will go without. And oh, that's um, cute. <laughs> um, that that came from a touch for Health, uh, teacher. Yeah, she said. And it took a while for it to sink in with the class, but we got it. She said, if you don't go within, you will go without. And I never thought that. Oh, yeah. And uh, when you said meditation, I am at a cusp of a new challenge, which um, I have resisted for all of the time since I ever heard about it, and that's the meditation. I wasn't going to go there. And I have a very good uh, Argentinian friend who wants to move back Argentina and her partner wants to move back with her. And um, she's the same age as my son, um, four years younger than my daughter, and she's become like a surrogate daughter for me. So that's a compound issue. And she has gotten into Vipassana and I've watched her grow exponentially between her yoga, her qigong, and her vipassana. And um, she has encouraged me to go to the 10-day retreat. Um, We were going to go together when COVID hit and the retreat center closed down. But now that I'm in northeastern Oregon, and so is she, um, she wants to go with me when she comes back from Argentina in about three days she wants to go with me to the March 31st which happens to be a bilingual one in Idaho now, and so the now,
2: customer- let me let me just ask something a lot of times when i hear a 10 day retreat and meditation um a lot of times what that means is a silent 10 day retreat is that what you're talking about
0: you got it, you got
2: it. okay so <laughs> um so I just the, the reason I had to to do that is because you were talking about, you know, it's a multilingual silent retreat, and so my brain just kind of went, it got stuck, I'm like.
0: <laughs> it, it's the, yeah, really. I don't blame it. She's been to the retreat before, so she gets to the, the work as a server, which means they always need servers, uh, and those are the people who prep the meals. Uh, and uh, so she'll get in like Flynn, but I'm like seventeenth on the list, and I don't. I'm not bilingual, therefore, the precedence is going to be given to Spanish English bilingual people. Uh, so if uh, I wasn't ready to go really when COVID hit,
2: and I just felt but like since that it's, was, was the intervening. A, since it's a silent meditation, can't you just tell them that? You're being silent in Spanish. There you go. Oh, I love it. No, I'm going
0: to tell them exactly <laughs> how I feel and how important it is for me to come and, and then the ball's in their court and if they feel led to, to say, Okay, we'll we'll do our best to get her in in priority. Um considering she's seventeenth or they won't. And then if that's the case this is my next big courage, Tim, is that I, I'm i going to... And Ruka is going to say, okay, now, you can either step up to the plate or not because Laura is moving and she can't go, and you get to go yourself. And this is in Idaho. Yeah. So, so we'll see what happens. I just wanted to ask for your blessings and to hold me up and everybody else listening to the show that... Um, what is destiny? My highest and best will be the outcome of all this. Well,
4: that will because always be the I case.
0: Know, and I know you're laughing at me because my mouth is is I've got I've been va- vaccinated by a Victrola needle.
2: Well, I am not laughing at you. I was laughing at the thing that my brain did with a silent meditation that's bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: well, all right. I'm, working so, on so I'm
2: I'm sure that it will work out well and for your highest and best and um if you go and want to come back and share experience, we'd be happy to hear it
0: and may I share one short roomy quote with you well as sure. my parting quote. There is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen.
2: There you go. All right. Blessings. I will mute you so you can listen to the rest of the show. Thank you again for the call and the input. We've got about ten minutes left. And we have number of people on the switchboard who have not raised a hand yet, so if you've got a comment or question for us, let us know, 563-999-3581, nine, 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 press 1 on your phone, and if nobody does that, I think I will share the the small stuff is big stuff, is the title of the essay from the book, A Walk in the Physical. And the the essay reads, In near-death experiences, it is often reported that the most prized and celebrated accomplishments of our lives are moments motivated by love. The smallest of actions, when motivated by concern for another, with no thought of personal reward, these are the greatest triumphs. Accomplishments that society may deem successful are not necessarily seen by spirit as important at all. Yet, we often go through our lives thinking that our success is rooted in material prosperity, in social status, or physical impact. We celebrate CEOs, politicians, politicians, surgeons and actors we hope to be successful too the entire realm of the physical is subordinate to the realm of spirit you are in both right now you're in both realms right now you are in the spiritual and the physical right now the point is that you're only focused on the physical most of the time the odd part about that is that this is the the realm that will pass away. Dr. Michael Rice talks about this and he says, what sense does it make to spend so much of our mind energy and our capacity on things that are going to be gone in a hundred years? When we are also active and able to engage in things that will last in eternity, forever. Right now, the point is, you're focused on the physical, which is the realm that will be gone. It will pass away. And yet, in the realm of spirit, where you also exist, you will always exist. And the stuff, the energy, the ex- creative expansive of force that that is, that makes up that realm, and your consciousness is love, and that's what matters. The physical will pass away, and yet love will never pass away. The physical dirt or the money that you move around will not last the spirit that you moved through love will last forever. So it's recommended that you recognize today that your true success resides not in your great physical achievements, but in the small matters, in making selfless choices, in helping others in small ways in facing your own failings in the simple, quiet moments, with love. Great spiritual work is done, even when nothing is seen in the physical world. Follow where your spirit leads and embrace the wonderful treasures that are the smallest decisions. For indeed, in the big picture, even though we cannot see it, The small stuff is the big stuff. Yeah, I haven't heard him talk about it in quite a while, but Dr. Michael Rice, 20 years ago or so, when I first tapped into this work, was... uh, Very, very common to hear him talk about, why would you spend all of this focus and energy and all this effort on things that aren't going to be around in, you know, 50 or 100 years, when there is something that you're involved in, engaged in, made of, have access to, which is eternal, which is ever, ever present, is not going to degenerate so since nobody else has a hand up we'll see if we can get through the accepting your physical path essay number 32 we who are physical are blessed with the opportunity to be physical. Near-death experiencers and other sources from spirit remind us that we, who are physically incarnated, are particularly blessed. It's also said that there are many more spirits who wish they have the opportunity to make it into this reality, many more than there are those of us who are already here. It's ironic, then, that so many of us here seem to want out. Having the opportunity to walk the challenging path of physical life is a tremendous gift. Being physical is not primarily a walk of trial or judgment or sorrow. Being physical is having the precious opportunity to love when it is sorely needed to grow through and shine in the face of challenges that may seem insurmountable, to participate in and experience creation in an extreme way. Thus, instead of resisting your path, permit yourself to let go and accept the beauty of the messiness. Whatever is happening in your life, recognize your power to view it however you wish or drop your judgments altogether. Are you able to look past your own judgments and see the, with the ever-wondrous eyes of spirit, are you able to sense profound opportunity in the challenge? If so... Recognize that your challenges are, in fact, gifts, and as gifts, you might as well accept them while you're here. For when you accept your challenges and surrender to your own experience, rather than to your ideas about it, you will find the fruits of the Spirit are ever available to you. True power and freedom lie in acceptance. So, that's basically our time for today. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Have a wonderful weekend, and welcome Jeannie Rice. I will turn on your microphone.
1: Yeah. What? Well, thank welcome. you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate it. <laughs>
2: You're very Hope welcome you have, a good weekend too. have a great show. You too.
1: Thanks. So welcome everybody to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio and today is Friday and it's April the 21st, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1 and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I am attempting to find my earpieces. Oh, awesome. I just found them. I'll be able to hear and talk a little bit clearer. We'll give Michael just a minute to get dialed in. And I invite you to uh, go to the website, whyagain.org. And look around. Click on different links. Watch the videos on our YouTube channel. And let me know if you run across anything that's not working right. And I will get it fixed. Send me the URL. Uh, the address of where it is, so that I can correct it. And I hope that uh, you participate today if you have questions. I think uh, yesterday we kind of, we had to do a a show yesterday. We recorded or played the First Century Aramaic Forgiveness and how it uh, associates with physiology and different um, so-called diseases And that actually if you take care of the mind energy of it, that the uh, physical takes care of itself as well. Your body is always telling you to pay attention. And, you know, if it's uh, like for the most part my neck or my stomach is where the energy will show up first for me. And so, uh, you know, when one of those things starts acting up, then I go, hmm, okay, what is it that I need to look at? What is it I need to deal with? So, I uh, hope you enjoyed that show. We had a bunch of things going on and, and weren't sure that we would get back in time, so that's why we did a pre-recording. Everything is cool. Everything's good. And uh, so we hope you enjoyed it. Does anybody have a question? Press 1, and it puts a hand up, and we'd love to hear from you. We have Aria today. She's been out sick for uh, over a week, and so we're glad that she's better and she's back with us. So, whoops, I had a hand go up, and then it disappeared. So, whoever, oh, there it is, okay. <laughs> so, goodness, I think that the switchboard's playing with me here. Area code 480, you're on the air. Who do we have? Yeah, hi, Jeannie. Hi, hi uh, uh, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael hasn't dialed in quite yet. Let me uh, just walk back oh. here and see if he's having okay. any technical challenges. And, uh okay. Then we will take your questions. So sure. he is dialing in now. I'm one. It doesn't show sure. that you're on. Hit your unmute button then or something, because it's not showing you're Testing on the switchboard. Testing one, two. There you are. I, OK. I,
4: I be here. Uh,
1: I've been here. OK. And we have a caller already on. Oh,
4: great. Let's say hello. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hey, hey there, young lady. How are you? How hey. are things right. in Ohio?
5: Oh, you know, worksheets.
2: <laughs> okay.
5: <laughs> Anybody else? Be like, is there an oh, aspect of that? the
4: worksheet you're having a challenge with that we can help you with? What's happening?
5: Um, well, I guess I have tons of stuff about uh, – about, I was listening to uh, just this morning – uh, I have a VHS of uh, conscious creation or something like that.
4: What do you call it? On creating consciously? Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to the samples of, and I've done this before, but but I, I was listening to the samples of living in poverty, and then you've got your authority figures come by, and what are they saying, and... And living in okay, and then ask Ruka de to let that loose, and then okay, now go to living in mediocre, and then what kind of messages are you hearing now? Is it uh, right. is there anything? Is there anything in there that uh, might be in uh, one of my? Uh, let's see, I wrote it down. That they, that they, as they see me, actual or implied, that may be key me into any limitation I bought into from them and the example that I got a chance to write down was you don't you just deserve mediocre or you'll never be able to do more okay so I I I mean that would have never came to me if I didn't listen to that radio station I mean that that VHS but I of course I got that message right so okay there's another worksheet so anyway um so I'm just all these things I purposely want to come up so that I can remove them.
2: Right. That's,
5: so I think I go looking for them now, you know, cause when I'm painting my room, I'm, I'm listening to my the VHS, you know, or I've got a lot of your stuff and I want, I feel like I'm, I am, um, putting myself through an intensive myself. You see what I'm saying?
4: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What did uh, you come up with that worksheet on that message?
5: I haven't yet. I haven't had a chance. I had a friend call that I haven't seen for Hmm. uh, 20 years, and she wants to come up and visit me, and so uh, I had to get ready. But but what comes up is, yeah, that's, you know, I didn't, I, I sort of, I guess I've got that message in me that... As a matter of fact, poverty is the one I got in me. Living mediocre meant that they 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 buy a house that I live in and live by their rules, you know. But this isn't that house, okay? But I never really got allowed myself to even think of having anything. Honest to God, I would have never thought I could get the house that I have now in a million years. Right. Okay.
4: Right.
5: So so however that happened. I did pray to God and say, before I found this house, the same day that I found it, I said, I know your will is for me to, to," I never was family because I had run away from uh, my daughter even. I moved to the other side of the country for 15 years, and actually 18, and uh, I didn't get to see her very much, and I said, I I was looking in the stars, and she said, I know you believe in family, and I'm... You know, I I I want I I really believe this is your will and 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 to have a home where I don't have a neighbor that wants to report me to the superior court that I have too many dogs that bark a lot. You know, so that was in Phoenix and I and so I said I know you want me to live stress as stress free as possible and that my dogs deserve a place to live. And as soon as I hung, uh, I said that prayer. An hour goes by, and my daughter calls up, calls up and she says, Mom, there's a house eight houses up that's got two acres of land, and I'm like, what? And if if you know something, property in Ohio is a lot less than it is in Phoenix, okay? Phoenix, you can get sure. a lot yep. more, okay? So I said to her that my prayers answered. My prayers answered. I didn't even see it. They just walked me through with a face punch. But you know right. and and so I still have issues, you know, because my house is so, in the yeah, yeah,
4: so it sounds okay. like a couple of things come to mind that mm-hmm. and you might just make some notes if the, if this fits, sure. it sounds like the um, the idea of deserving to have or being able to have family. Not so much the possessions or or maybe the possessions as well, but just having relationship with family and you know if you if you just sat like you know a mind shifter pen ready for a mind shifter sure, so all of my behaviors
5: is this on the right through, or on the left side.
4: Well, this would go on the left side. Mine church always goes okay. on the left and then the line and you okay. do what comes up on the right. So Right. All of my life. Oh, my, my. Every member of my family has approved of comma cherished. Hang on cherished and honored me it now what painful. comes up when you let that thought flow through your mind
5: well the first thing was that's painful and that's not true <laughs>
4: okay and so that's what you put on the right-hand side
5: okay uh, hang on. <laughs> and the second right immediately because I'm doing this kind of work said Well, that was my reality, but in actuality, they did.
4: I just couldn't see it. Cool. There you go. So there's a start down the path. Now, you know, with the fact that the last, I think twice we talked, that core family issue came up, I would suggest that you spend, you know, take a time period where your phone is off, you're in your own space, and you spend three or four hours writing that mind shifter and then just letting yourself free flow. Any thought that comes up, good, bad, indifferent, this doesn't seem to be related, this means nothing. Go ahead and just write it all down and watch what unfolds on the page. And then once you've mm-hmm. completed that mind shifter, go back and look at, okay, where are the issues mm-hmm. that. I perhaps haven't been aware of or haven't know that I need to do work to work through them and then look at, so which tool, wh- what piece of work I need to do here? Maybe I need to write a responsibility communication to mom. Maybe I need to do the commitment to dad. Maybe I need to, you know, go through each issue that comes up and which one of the tools are you going to use to clean that up with them and within yourself?
5: There's a part of me that's afraid that maybe I made it all
4: up. Okay. So write that. That's what I'm saying. Write that on the right side of the page. Oh, on the right yeah. side? It's, yeah, on the right side of the page. That's that's one of the thoughts that comes up. And so that might be your greatest insight. Maybe you made it all up. Maybe, you know, nothing like what you hallucinated ever happened. And That would be a wonderful thing to be aware of and clean up if that's true. Because if you realize...
2: Yeah.
4: Go ahead. Yes. If you realize that you made it up, then you realize what you don't have to recreate, what you can clean up in your mind and be finished with. You know, most things that people are upset about never actually happened. Okay, okay. And or you at least make they these pretend really they're horrible things.
5: Things up. These horrible things up our lives that I make up?
4: Well, if that content is in your mind, and that's what's resonated by something in the world, remember that perception, one of the basic principles of this work is that perception is a construct of the mind. Yes. Nobody has ever seen anything happen in the world ever in their lives with their eyes. Nobody. And 99.9% of the people would laugh at that and say, that's absolutely stupid. Of course, I see what's happening in my eyes. Look, I can look at this and then I can reach out and touch it. Well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're looking at what's out there. You're looking at your brain's Mm -hmm. construct, your brain's approximation. Actually, there's a really good video that you might find useful right now if you jump on, um, YouTube and type Mm -hmm. in Anil, Mm A-N-I-L, Seth, Mm S-E-T-H, and TED Talk. Mm Anil Seth is a... um, um, What's his field? I'm trying to remember. Anyway, it's it's in computational science. And he goes through and shows that the eye... I mean, he's, he's right in line with this work. The eye sees nothing. The eye brings in information, light information, and the brain responds with its best guess about what's happening. And rarely, because everything that shows up as a perceptual construct is from the past stored information within the mind, rarely does anybody even get close to what's actually happening in the world. People are like Mm -hmm. walking in a dream. And Mm -hmm. the way you can tell that you're walking in a dream and what you're dealing with is is not actual, even though it's your reality, is there hostility or fear in it? If there's hostility or fear in it, Mm -hmm. that's a marker Mm -hmm. that you're not perceiving through your highest faculties, which are keyed to love. And you only are aware through your highest faculties when you're connected to love. Mm -hmm. everything else is in hallucination and improving it in the laboratory yeah okay so if you dismantle those things then you can start to you know you can take responsibility gee you know mom remember when I did this and so and I accused you and I just realized that's all about me and I'm cleaning up and I want to change the dynamic in our lives and watch how things change wow
5: you've heard me share some pretty crazy stuff in the last years and And I'm I'm thinking to myself, they're all made up, right? I'm thinking they're all made up. They weren't keyed into love.
4: Everything that is perceptual is a construct of the mind. And hostility or fear as energetic patterns that accompany what's moving in the mind are the indicator that Whatever that information is is corrupt data. It's from the past, and it's corrupted data. You know think about your computer. you want to do a computation on your computer, but your computer's got corrupt data. What answer are you going to get? You're never going to get a correct answer, an accurate answer. And mm-hmm. so as you remove hostility or fear, all of a sudden, perception moves to the state of corrected. Although even perception, even perception keyed to love, is not the actuality if it's coming from the mind. You know, you've heard me say it before, in order to heal, we've got to be out of our minds. The mind is just a replicating device that, that replays, replays, replays whatever's in it. And when we start to take responsibility and you know enter into relationships where the purpose of the relationship isn't you need to obey all my realities, I need to obey all your realities, and blah, 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 but rather... We're, we're in this to allow those things that are based in pain and fear and rage and guilt to allow them to come up, to take responsibility for them, and to move through them so we don't play out these unconscious dynamics that for most people have been going on for generations and generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Most people spend... You know, if you, you go back to that story about the, the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years... Now, you think about that. Was that a group of people wandering in a hot, sandy place for 40 years? Well, if you look at that desert that they were supposedly lost in, it's about 35 square miles, probably about the size of the city of Dayton. Could somebody be lost for 40 years in that space, especially if they knew anything about astronomy, which... That group of people, the Jews, did know astronomy quite well. They wrote about it pretty accurately. So if if they were in this hot, sandy place and lost for 40 years, I mean, the truth is they could have just looked up and gone, okay, so the sun we know rises in the east and sets in the west. We're going to follow the sun for the next few days, and obviously we'll be out of the desert. But that desert is a code word for the unconscious, and most people spend about their first 40 or so years before they start questioning the perceptual output of their minds. They wander in the desert. And if you take a look, you know, just just look at what's happening in, in the news media. Take any Take any particular personality that keeps appearing in the news media and notice that if you were paying attention to them 10 years ago, they had a story and somebody was involved. And then if you look back, you know, Eight years ago, they had a story and probably somebody else was involved. And five years ago, they had a story and somebody else was involved. And three years ago, they had a story and somebody else was involved. And today, they've got another story and somebody else is involved. The story's the same through the mm-hmm. whole game, just different people, different players. What's that person mm-hmm. doing? They're functioning out of the unconscious. They're functioning out of the desert.
0: Is the unconscious when I wake the up and go
4: No. Unconscious and subconscious are two different things. So Mm -hmm. when you think about, you know, people ask about, you know, well, how many minds are there? Well, there's only, in terms of the function we're talking about, there's only one mind. And we're talking about as a function of the firing of the content of brain cells. Mm -hmm. So if I say don't think about the color of your car, brain cells fire, and it serves you up information about the color of your car. So... The color of your car is subconscious information you can access it any time you want and when you decide to access it, the information stored in brain cells fires a little stronger than it was a moment ago and what was subconscious, that is below the conscious threshold, you weren't aware of it, all of a sudden becomes conscious. If I ask you, what's your favorite item of clothing? Well, you know what that is, that's subconscious information, and now you're probably thinking about your favorite, you know, dress or coat or whatever it is, that subconscious information becomes conscious. So Mm -hmm. the subconscious and conscious are changing place all the time. What's your favorite food? Who's your favorite person? What was your favorite vacation all your life? all that information Mm is stored in your subconscious and you can call it up at any moment that you want. Then Mm -hmm. if I said, okay, so now there's a major piece of work that you've acknowledged you're getting ready to do. What's at the core? What's the core issue of that major piece of work that you know you need to do? What's happening with your breath right now?
5: Oh, it's kind of, this is like a, uh, this is a big thing for me. What I'm even facing right now—the the, mm-hmm.
2: the hallucination,
5: the hallucination—you know. So, um, I'm uh, I'm just sort of just taking a ride right now, and I don't. My breath has just kind of gone. Whoa!
1: I think uh, this is
5: wow. How would this happen that I'm saying it's a hallucination? How am I? Ha- what is my breath doing? What? Well, maybe um, and when the,
4: we'll go on two things. And when the breath shuts, <laughs> yeah. shuts down, we tend to hide things for ourselves, and that creates the unconscious condition, the things that even when we want to, we can't access them. So there's conscious, uh-huh, subconscious, unconscious, and it's the uh-huh. amplitude at which that information is firing in brain cells that determine which level that information is at. Kind of like if I've got a radio over here and it's tuned to my favorite FM, you know, nice music and I'm listening to it, that would be conscious. Now, if I turn the volume down and I retune the station to a different station, I'm not hearing anything, but I've tuned to a different station. And if I turn the volume up to that newly tuned station, I would become conscious of what station it was on. So that would be like subconscious information. And then, if I turn the radio off, the radio's still tuned, there's still frequencies moving in it, but I can't hear anything. That would be unconscious. I'm not aware of anything that's there. Oh, I see. So the idea, for instance, of the mind shifter, you know, the way that we turn the volume up on something is we've got to provide a resonant frequency, something that matches, that adds energy to it, so that its amplitude or its strength intensifies. So if I said, you know, Mm. what's your favorite uh, breakfast drink? So so we just resonate the brain cells of whatever your favorite breakfast drink are, and you become aware of that information that was stored in your subconscious because we added energy to it. Most people go through their lives just being pushed back and forth and back and forth by the energies around them in the world and their whole state of what they call thinking and functioning is based on whatever's resonating in them at any given moment. And so the world pretty much is in control. When you become fully conscious and you clean up your mind, then you can no longer be pushed around by those unconscious dynamics. Something comes in and you look at it and you go, boy, I remember when I'd have been really upset about something like that. And I've cleaned that upset in my mind out of my mind, so I'm free of that. And now Mm -hmm. I function consciously all the time. I don't believe we're designed to have an unconscious mind. And so this work is about getting rid of the unconscious.
5: Oh, okay, okay.
4: Okay. All right. oh, Carl Jung says oh. until the unconscious until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. <laughs> I see. when you make the unconscious conscious and that's what forgiveness does that's what the mind shifter does that's what each of the tools is designed for when you make the unconscious conscious it's no longer got control over you
5: so before I called you guys back uh, uh, I was working with some stuff that the Nazarene has seen sent me on how to have joy and in it there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh excerpts from of course you talk about Thomas Edison, so there's some of that. Then there's uh um Dale Carnegie and then there's uh Doctor Napoleon Hill. And you know, um, I'm thinking to myself, I'm really, really just focusing on everything that I want, not focusing on what I don't want and it's it's just it's I just felt like this isn't this isn't working. And and uh and There was nothing about forgiveness in those teachings that I knew of, or getting to the point where I am right. finally, actually saying and I'm hearing myself and putting it out there in Radio Land that I hallucinated everything. Okay, that's like huge, mm-hmm. and I don't that's think huge. anything. Yes. I don't think there's any uh, anything in the the, the other authors. Um, I don't even know if, if Einstein did it to put that element in it. You know. So it's – I'm just blown away that I'm sitting here and I actually said that because I was just going to say some, uh, you know, basic questions just because I do have a question about something seems to be basic, but I have a feeling it's also a hallucination. So uh, 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 and I ended up going down this road, which I, I would have – I guess I was ready to go down this road. I wouldn't have come up if when I did. When it's
4: time, it's time. Yeah. When it's time, it's time for sure. Well, joining you in doing those worksheets and getting to the next level and I'd really spend three or four hours on that mind shifter and see what surfaces.
5: Yeah. I will. Uh all right. a question that I do have though, homeopathy. I had I, I work with my dogs with it. It sometimes it works great, sometimes it doesn't at all. And then there was that's currently for the last fifteen years. And in 1997, I had two dogs. One, one got diabetes, and a holistic gut friend in front of mine said, I have a friend that's a pet psychic. And I said, okay, send her over. And she said, the reason that you, your dog has diabetes is because I have no joy in my life, and I caused it in my dog. So I, I want to hear your take on that and the homeopathy for currently. That wasn't homeopathy, then.
4: Well, homeopathy is using subtle, fine frequencies of, let's say, a a particular uh, frequency associated with the disease to stimulate the immune system to throw off the disease. It can be a very powerful form of medicine if you've got a good practitioner. As far as the dog psychic goes, I don't know. I know that um, I've, I've had humans who've, touched into the fact that they have no sweetness in their lives. And that's one of the reasons that they end up, you know, being addicted to sugar and they end up with things like diabetes. So the logic makes sense. Uh, I've never known any pet psychics, so I, I don't have much of a comment okay. in that regard.
5: <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh,
4: cool.
5: Because I'll clear it up in my, in, you know, I'll clear it up. I believe that if my, if my uh, energy field is not clear, then... It can become, it can, can get projected into somebody else that they take it on.
4: We, we definitely influence everything around us. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: So I really want to clear up because I want really believe that as I oh. get clean and clear that, that they won't have health problems like they do.
4: True. Okay. I agree okay. 100%. All right. You have a blessed one.
5: Thank you. Okay.
4: All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, hey there, Miss Jeannie. Do we have anybody in the phone with hey. a hand up or anything else happening in the chat room?
1: We do have another hand up, and I believe it's a voice from their past, 517. I think it's Angie.
6: Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is Angie.
4: Well, welcome, young lady. We haven't heard your voice in a while. I hope everything's well in your world.
6: Thank you, sir. It uh, very much is, and I'm calling today, uh, inspired with a question. Oh, it's nice to connect to the field. (laughs) Welcome home.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh.
6: Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. Um, So I felt like um, maybe just for context, because you both know me and historical stuff pretty well, so like landscape and context might be kind of fun um, just for this framework of the question. Okay. Uh, so, like Friday was my birthday, and
4: happy eternal um, day.
6: Thank you. We had a, a, a an event happen that I got to see some um, triggers that were still present in my apparent physiology. I really appreciate the conversation about hallucinations. I'm sitting here asking, do I really want to ask a question after that? Cause it's so rich, so rich, right? Like, um, uh, my body and it's oh, go happy, for happy it. form, of hallucination in and of itself. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of stuff was moving. I have a girlfriend who accessed deep uh, rage, like uninhibited rage and
0: yeah,
6: no. Um, my trigger was that it was in my proximity. It was actually towards um, a man in public, a white man. She kept saying, "This is, this is the white uh, privilege thing," and she was. I see what she was pointing at, um, right. and I completely validate her experience, and it. Um, we left the situation. Actually, she got told she had to leave. <laughs> and we as in my sweetheart, his daughter, and myself. And then she was driving a separate vehicle, and she left. Um, so it started in motion, this, like, pulling out of... Um, of those past triggers um, with the son's dad and some of the like the so my girlfriend her uh, she was so oh, in the rage and like the rage was like grabbing her by the face she really wanted to go to this place where this person this other this man got to stay her language we had to leave and she wanted to do violence for him so my boyfriend Stayed on the phone with her and just listened and we breathed with her and we were breathing with ourselves because we had a lot happening, like all of us individually were initiated by this event. So um, that she did end up going home and not going back and doing violence and she woke up the next day and was then projecting onto my boyfriend. So that's still like, onto open your boyfriend.
2: Energy. Yes. Okay. Because
6: he told her that that would be a, a really inappropriate use of energy, and I think I haven't haven't talked with her yet because there's so much happening for me. <laughs> I'm like I have to stay present for my experience right now. Um. Yeah, she I'm not exactly sure. I think I think what's happening is that he's safe enough to flow some of his energy with. If this is from like deep seated um childhood abuse and then the person that did the abuse towards her was not held accountable. And um
4: So where are we heading? What's the bottom line here?
6: Well, I guess I'm not sure. That that was like for context. So like I've there's been all of this healing initiated in my field energetically. So the next um the next couple of days were great and then I had this moment of realizing i was processing a lot of strong energy and um a lot of that stuff is leaving so i my question that i put my hand up for is yesterday we were in the woods and i picked up a plant i thought mistakenly thought that the plant was um mint and i put it to my nose and it pricked me. It was a metal and it started this tingly that has been so familiar in my experience when the energy really starts to flow and I'm really tuned in and, and the, uh I would say like turned on and the energy is flowing. My nose would have that same experience in the air quote past. So I'm like curious Heart, have you ever been aware of processing future events like air quote future or air quotes future um, yeah energies
4: I haven't caught up with yet i'm I'm not quite sure what your question is or where you're going with it yet, but keep talking, let's see if we can get there you saying okay. you are are you am I hearing you say that you feel like you're tapping into something? That hasn't happened yet, and that's bringing something up for you. Um,
6: I well, I think I was in the so air quote past. I when I would the energy would really start to flow, um, and Ruka would be present, and I would allow the movement. That energetic experience of my nose tingling from the nettle—it happened yesterday. But for years now, since I would say, since probably since 17, which was I've been aware of it. When it would really start to flow, and I would really um, be able to run the energy, yeah, it was like. And yesterday, I just had this aha, like, oh my gosh, that's so cool! I think I was tapping into this moment, this experience.
4: Which would be very hmm. quote. My my thought would be that the nettle probably, you know, the sting, or maybe there's a little bit of an allergy to the nettle, uh, moved some energy that you're used to feeling in other contexts. Uh, were you at others from the time you were 17 processing energies around this nettle sting? I don't know. You know, it's possible there's a genetic link to something like that. There's a memory. Hard to tell. Um, but what I would so do you, rather than, go ahead.
6: I guess my question then is then we only ever process past, air quote past.
4: No, I, I'm not saying we can't tap into something that hasn't happened yet. I believe energy, you know, if we listen to the physicists, they tell us that actually time is something we created and it's really, you know, in fact, one good definition of time that I've heard is it's a way to keep from experiencing everything at once. And so yeah, is it possible uh, yeah. to process something that hasn't happened yet? I think it's possible.
6: It's a, it's like this, I'm having this experience of being more fully and clearly that um, like I guess I would call it the high note or the full presence of beingness that um, I would maybe in, a, my, in my mind according to time would have put somewhere in the future like once my work is done or something but really it's like right there front and center all the time if I allow myself to organize in my awareness to organize around that, yeah, rather than whatever else it was uh, tuned to.
4: Not sure what to say. I I don't I don't have an answer for you. It certainly well, thank- it's within the realm of possibility, but.
6: Well, thanks for I, listening.
4: Okay. I, I'm, I'm not sure how this ties in. I've, I've sort of not connected it with this friend of yours who was in all this rage. How does this all tie together?
6: Oh, I think I, um, I don't know. I just, I'm, well, I'm thankful for the interrupt when you redirected me to the question. Um, I was just, kind of laying the groundwork for what this because has looked like as far as energies that I was processing and I was aware of um the parts of me that kind of had stuck or trapped energies and still had like triggers available um in the in the synaptic um neural pathways and then this experience yesterday um was just like an aha I I guess we could say it was an interesting experience, and I didn't know if it had ever come up before, or maybe you had a, a past program that I would, um, enjoy listening to or reflecting on, or if you had ever had that experience of like a future, um, um, I guess a future experience, um, processing yeah, it's, it's out, ever, like that, ahead of yeah. time.
4: Yeah, it's not something I relate to on a personal level.
6: Okay, Well, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, and if the... my
4: my thought would be, you know, one of the one of the games of the mind of the non being mind is oftentimes, if I could just figure this out. Mm. And sometimes the the you know, in fact, I in our codependence workshop, I identify that as. What I call the number one pseudo solution of the non-being mind is if I could just figure this out.
6: Yeah, I quote you on that a lot. Whereas,
4: <laughs> yeah, and whereas if I can, instead of trying to figure something out, step into that space of connectedness and being, I'm going to get a lot more direct answers from that space than trying to get allow my brain to figure it out. Mm.
6: Yeah. I I guess if I really Hmm. Now, okay. if I really think into like what uh, maybe oh, the you know the impulse that inspired me to put my hand up, uh it would be to share in the delight of the experience. <laughs>
4: um. So it was. So it was kind of like a. a, a- a connected experience, and a high experience—is that what you're saying?
6: Yeah, yeah. Like right. one of those
4: peak experiences that we sometimes have.
6: Yeah. Yeah, like an aha. Uh-huh.
4: Mm. Cool. Well, holding yeah. space for it.
6: Well, thanks. And I guess I guess I am kind of questioning too. Like maybe I led with that situation because I do desire, you know, support with how best to navigate it in the world.
4: <laughs> um, so what did, when she was in that rage, what did that resonate for you? Um,
6: in the moment, Travis, um, that's my sweetheart's name, he stayed on the phone with her and just breathed and listened to her um, for about three hours. Um, Well, it was like in. Wow. So probably That's dedication. That. Um, yeah. Nice work, really, Travis. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, uh, and I was the the speaker phone was on, so I was just breathing and noticing what was happening in my being, and I would say like maybe echoes or reverberation of like panic. Uh, that but it was really subtle um, for the most part. Uh, some fear was leaving. Uh, um, there was still a slight inclination to just to run away. Uh, she seemed pretty committed to to running. He kept bringing her back to love, and then she'd go right back and um justify or attempt to justify vengeance like a like really interesting ideas of vengeance too that um were um i guess kind of surprising to hear from her this was not something i was aware of i knew there was pain there but um she had not tapped into this level of pain with me present before
4: Sounds like Travis was really holding the space. That's that's pretty powerful, especially when somebody's okay. in that extreme a, a place.
6: And he had his own stuff going on. The um, the trigger for everybody was around um, his daughter. So and uh, the way a man had treated her as an employee that was totally inappropriate and unacceptable.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of that in our culture.
6: Yeah. That's, I think, what we were trying to point, um, point my friend towards is, like, we don't need more assault or to add to the violence that's already happening. You know, maybe there's a higher way. And so somehow Travis con- continuing to, to, to lovingly and gently redirects. Um, in that way, somehow landed him in as <laughs> a problem for her mind, in her mind.
4: Oh, well, holding Maybe a space I mean, for for healing.
6: Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
4: Did it seem like Travis's energy was able to shift with whatever was coming up for him?
6: Yeah, I I think so. He did really well um, through the whole experience. Yeah, I, I, from my perspective, and like I said, I did have some energy moving in myself, but overall, um, I thought, well, he's right here. Yeah, he's not, it helped him too. He, do you want to say something? No, no, just patience.
4: Hey, Travis, sounds like you're doing some good work.
0: <laughs> I'm trying.
4: It's
0: all oh, that's to awesome.
6: Me, but... Thank you. Well, I don't
4: know. I remember that intensive you were at. You did some pretty deep stuff.
6: Sorry, that's Tyler. He's not
4: in my life yeah. anymore. <laughs>
6: this is Travis.
4: <laughs> my mistake. Yeah. I'll have to do a worksheet on embarrassment here. My my error. <laughs> It's well, been there. about what? What was it? About five, four, five years ago? Maybe, maybe yeah, six was, years was, ago. Was, so, yeah, my apology for. it. Yeah. Oh, we're
6: okay. <laughs> we're good.
4: Okay. Good. Thank you. And good yes. work anyway. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can stand with somebody in that much, much rage and uh, and bring us basic of calmness. Of course, it sounds like maybe some attack energy came back on you, and uh, so. Next layer of work for you, I guess, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Never used to have a lot of patience, so Andy's taught me some, and Michelle just further helped me in that, that's for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah
6: yeah um uh, from my perspective we're we're doing good work <laughs> in the world and i think where i have a a conflict and maybe maybe i'll reach out to you guys privately um just uh curious about right action as far as holding accountable um through the systems that are in place and you know where and when and how that's appropriate and a best like a good use of energy um right and uh
4: are you talking things like legally accountable
6: yeah, yes, or yeah. even if if it's if something is like um okay, I'll be ready um it, it, So, um, maybe as simple as, you know, having a conversation regarding this publicly, Um, I I think Michelle has some energy to work through. And I hear her making really valid points and observations, and I certainly witness it very clearly and you know like how how to navigate holding people accountable
4: um say that again holding like
6: how to navigate holding people accountable or even just uh, shining a light on it publicly like what what's happening and how can we get people that are still um Doing behaviors like this. And then the, 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 I watched people like want to cover for the guy and like, oh, he's mm-hmm. really a good dude. Well, he's really a good guy. It's like, well, no, good guys don't treat little young girls like that. That's right. And not that there's goodness there. Um, and, but and I, this is just like a whole, it was a situation and, uh, oh.
4: For the first place I'd start from my, from what all you've told me is rage is simply a drug that someone uses to cover their pain. So to me, mm-hmm. the first order of business would be to invite the young lady who's in rage to clean up her rage because an insane mind, and my take is any mind that isn't functioning out of love is insane, is never going to accomplish what they want to accomplish. You know, it's like, what's the first thing that most everybody wants to do with the abuser? Abuse them.
6: Yeah. So exactly I'm trying right. to
4: call somebody out for their abuse, and what, the way I want to call them out is by abusing them. Well, that's all. Call, that's just called projection. So. Yeah my first order of business would be for the young lady who wants vengeance and do rage. It's like, lady, you've got some work to do is what this man has done. And I have no idea what it was, but whatever it is, is it inappropriately, pardon me, inappropriate. Great. Then he needs to be held accountable, perhaps legally, perhaps through a court system. You know, I, I don't know what, what kind of situation is going on but i'll tell you what chances are probably 99 to 1 that you'll fail if you go after it in rage so first order business Mm -hmm. ma'am would be step back clean up your mind get to a space where you're connected and you're rational because the vengeance you want to take is probably the very vengeance that you're fighting in the world and you know projection needs to end and then out of a space of connectedness and love, if it's, you know, if I were that person, if it's my place to hold them accountable, whatever way it is, you know, whether it's legally or otherwise, then I'd step forward and do that. But doing it out of rage is never going to produce the results I want. That would yeah. be my, my I mean, input to yeah. someone.
6: Both Travis and I definitely certainly knew that and Avery Avery is his daughter. Um she is nineteen years old and um, is living with us. So I think if anybody was going to hold the man accountable, it would be her with our support. Right. Um, and that would, you know, she, we all, all three of us stood here and, and held space for our own selves and our own experience and Michelle. So this is, this is a week ago today. Um, I haven't, I have spoke to her in text. But not in person, um and I know as soon as you said to hold her lovingly accountable for rage and excuse me, you're in projection, I want I can feel my like top tail and run <laughs> like no, thank you
4: <laughs> yeah rage rage is is one. Most people think of anger and rage as feelings or emotions, but they're not emotions, they're anesthetics. They're always a cover for pain. And so the first order of business to me would be, so let's take the person who's in pain and let's support them cleaning up their pain. Now, now that mind will often have to say, yeah, but you didn't see what he did. It's like, okay, I got it. I saw what he did. What he did was terrible, horrible, awful, ugly, nasty, it illegal, was- immoral. But that's got nothing to do with the fact that you're in rage and you have a problem.
2: And yeah. so when if you're ever going
4: to support cleaning up what's going on for the person, you know, you're saying needs to be held accountable, you have to come to it with a sane mind. And a, a raging mind is not a sane mind.
6: Here is the piece, and maybe you have, so and um, perhaps I could come up with it on my own, but since we've built this. Beautiful segue here, I guess. I'll just ask. Um, and I can feel I'm, like, literally hunching over. It's closing my heart down. So,
4: That's why um, uh, you taking a breath and pulling your shoulders back, lifting your head up, and <laughs> keeping your heart open.
6: Was with me, while, while Travis was, um, you know, holding her, um, ho- really holding, holding us all so lovingly and gently, through that experience, as I'm listening to her, I became acutely aware of all of the energy. So, J.C. Um, J.C.'s dad, Ryan. who was the person the person that I was married to previously, he was um, abused as a child, sexually abused as a child, and I'm pretty sure he asked for support and told, uh, uh I think it was a mother, I think it was his mom personally. And right. I think he got told to stuff it. And I know that is exactly what was coming at me. He couldn't see me. He couldn't see me when I was the projection board of all of that pain and anguish and despair. And
4: that's big stuff to move through.
6: And listening to Michelle, um, it was that same energy. What's coming up for you
4: right now? What's happening? What do you I
0: really, really just want him to feel better (laughs) and to connect with the love that he is and know he never deserved that treatment. (laughs) And neither did I.
4: (laughs) And neither did you. There you go. So it sounds like the unresolved pain in you was uh, identifying with that unresolved pain that no one deserves, no human being ever deserved. Some of the stuff that's common everyday occurrence on the planet today. It's definitely time for that trauma to be worked through for all minutes. of us. Yeah. So let your breath open <sighs> Sounds like a major chunk of grief coming up for you.
6: Yeah. I just know this life is supposed to be so full of joy and uninhibited joy. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a, a nut hatch hopping around outside my window right now. <laughs> That's us, guys. What are we doing over there? What's all that? Oh, yeah. It feels really good to be able to say it and share it and breathe deeper in my bronchioles.
4: It's definitely important. Because when that breath is being held, that's literally how we acquire a past about something. It's literally how we hook up the realities in our mind to past pain. And anything that resonates that pain is going to bring that reality forward once again. And if it's not forgiven, it just becomes the pattern of someone's life. It becomes a perpetual motion machine.
0: Mm. Yeah.
4: So it sounds like the depth of pain that she was in triggered a level of pain in yourself that took you back to the identification.
6: Ah, uh, uh-huh. With your son's yeah. father. Yeah.
0: I just want to help him, you yeah. know. I'm not going to my goal to do any of that. <laughs>
6: Uh,
4: yep, I can't tell Michael. Shall but him. before you can step in and help him with that, you're going to have to do your work around it, the part of you that identifies out of your pain with what he went through.
6: Can't tell Michael. Before you could
4: be the space of love. and And chances are that your son has some of the same energetic pattern. Yeah,
6: for sure. So do you could, do you hear? Um, so if I'm saying like I'm aware there's a goal running to help him, that I am willing to cancel and let go of that creative pattern totally. To help to rescue, but also I guess it would be like mirrored in my own desire for a savior, for a rescuer, for Prince Charming, for. A or to be the her. rescuer yeah I cancel my goal to be the rescuer, and I cancel my goal to be rescued. Cancel my goal for someone to save me from my pain that's that's right there.
4: So huh. how about a mind shifter, and we're down to the last minute or so. so yes, if you've got a pen handy, I do it's safe and healing for me to embrace every aspect of pain that resides within me. And it sounds like you've got the blessing of a young man that's there to hold his face for you to do that piece of work.
6: So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.
4: Yeah, go for it. Breathe, breathe. Be with it.
2: Oh my God, I do. I am worthy and deserving, but I have to keep anchoring it in. <laughs>
4: breathing with you, and this show is going to cut us off any second now. But just want to know that you know that we're holding space and breathing with you.
6: Thank you. I love and appreciate each of you and everyone on the show holding his space. Thank you all.
4: You've got it. All right, everybody, appreciate you. Blessings. You have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Take care. Bye-bye.